0: What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor of Fightful.com and FightfulWrestling.com, here for the February 20th edition of the Fightful Wrestling Podcast. This is brought to you by Wartime X, a strategy based mobile game that combines the worlds of poker and war. Head over to the Apple Store or Facebook and check it out. We are joined tonight by Jeff Hawkins and Anna Bauer. Anna Bauer, who attended the EPW Perth show this week. You're going to do a write up for us, yeah?
1: um the new japan perth show i attended what did i say the epw
0: i'm (laughs) stupid uh new japan perth show yeah
1: yeah yeah um i am incredibly sleep deprived
0: for extreme pancake wrestling
1: no i should get on that um yeah i'm incredibly sleep deprived at the moment and the review should hopefully Mm -hmm. be up tomorrow with a lot of nice pictures and videos and uh, it's currently sitting at six pages, so I've got a lot of editing to do.
0: Very excited to hear about that. We do have a clip up on uh, YouTube.com slash Fightful from New Japan. We get clips like this all the time. We've had them from Evolve, from WWE WWC, WWC uh, NXT, WWE, all kinds of cool stuff. Jeff, you getting us anything from Long Beach? What are you doing? We lost Brian Rose. Can I have his press credentials then? You know what? I I may see if I can do that. I may see if I can do that. That's a good idea. Brian Rose left us to inject a lethal dose of poison into another (laughs) website. Uh, (laughs) So Smackdown Live tonight happened. But first off, I want to talk about this Monday night experience because Mm. it's not something that I get to hear from you guys. And it's, it's a conversation that I had on Twitter where you know, you're know you going to have a divide and stuff, but I thought that, that opening match, which lasted two hours, was awesome. I thought it told a, a great story. And after having Seth Rollins as a tag team guy for the last half a year, what more could you do as a company to establish him as a main eventer than what they did on Monday? Jeff, I would like your take on that about Seth Rollins and perhaps his immediate future.
2: Uh, the Seth Rollins part was fine. Um, I, I, I admired the attempt to do something different on Raw. I did, because I thought the, uh, I thought the interviews in the back were, were really, really good. Um, the matches were very, very good. Don't get me wrong. But as I wrote at the time, I'm conflicted about it. Because me being me and me liking logic and storylines, so to speak, the match had no consequences, and that bothered me watching this, that these seven guys who are going to go in this match that could be a career ender in story and even not in story because we've watched Elimination Chambers and cringed at times, you and I. It it it, it gave me pause that why would you logically give it your all in a match six days before that kind of Elimination Chamber match for the title?
0: I think it could have consequence for Seth Rollins it's, because he's so fixated on Monday Night Rollins and being that guy that it cost him his opportunity. He Well, but he's
2: the only one. It, it, it really helped. And I understood that part of the story, and I liked it. And I think if they're setting that up for Roman later, I think that's also very, very good. I just, at the time, you're like, well, why is Miz fighting Braun Strowman when he's such a coward? He should just tap and save himself for the elimination chamber. Those types of little flaws. I'm like, you know, if you have this giant title match that could get you to WrestleMania, good Lord, why, why would you wrestle this kind of match six days before? And that was my only problem with it. But other than that... I like out of the box thinking. I don't mind long matches. My general note for all this week's main roster stuff is: this was PWG, WWE for the most part. It was it was matches in the ring with no real storytelling. So that I thought the
0: storytelling of Rollins was pretty pretty great, but okay, money is, is the ultimate explanation, but they never use that. That's kind of odd. Anna, did you get a chance to watch it? Because I know maybe you were a mm-hmm. little uh, little sleepy after. New Japan.
1: I watched. I watched, and I I wrote in the ad breaks as I did today as well. Um, no, I saw it. I agree with Jeff in terms of the Miz, since isn't he already wa- uh, already going first?
0: Yeah, that was that was the weird thing. I mean, it did establish, so, if anything, that the last guy in the match can win and has that advantage. But other than that, I'm looking yeah. for them to feed some explanation to me outside of the Rollins deal.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's. It is a case of like I loved his selling of of when he realized that Strowman was out next and you could you could almost hear the shit coming out in his pants. I'm so sorry for saying that. I'm really tired. Anyway, um but it didn't make sense as to why he would endure that given he already has to go first. The Rollins thing, I loved what they did. It did make me think, okay, he's not winning it now, but this is we know why, and he is strong as hell, so it doesn't really matter. Um, I saw what you were posting on Twitter, people's arguments about casual viewers getting bored and all that kind of stuff. I can see where they're coming from. But at the same time, I'm under the philosophy of if it's good enough, people will tune in. Um, And in terms of not having a real storyline to go by, well, that's kind of been WWE's problem for the past little while anyway. So what difference does it make?
0: My line of thinking was blanket statementing anyone and saying, oh, well, casual fans don't like that. What? Mm -hmm. What? I can't find 10 people that, that would agree on virtually anything as it pertains to entertainment. Like I'll find some people that thought that breaking bad was a bad show. Like you'll, you'll run into those people, even though I think it's one of the greatest of all time. You'll run into people that think that big bang theory is the funniest show they've ever seen. I can't believe it, but there are some people who like that type of thing. So to say like, oh, well, casual fans don't enjoy that. And I had one person say, oh, it was practically Ring of Honor. And I'm like, whoa, have you watched Ring of Honor lately? Being the Elite is practically Ring of Honor programming at this point. They integrate it into their shows and their storylines. That's more story than most things that WWE has done recently. So to throw that out there, I just think blanket statements are by and large pretty dumb. That's a blanket statement of its own, but hey, I guess it fits. Uh, Jeff, anything else you have to kind of put a bow on this?
2: What do they think casual fans wouldn't like about it because they're seeing the stars that they came to see? that That's the only illogic I find in that statement. I get that. I get that there's somewhat of a disconnect between guys who want good matches and guys who just want to see stars, but if you get both combined, I don't see how you're you're turning off casual fans and you also have to start somewhere if you're going to retrain your audience to like certain things.
0: There's there's this weird fetishization of the the Attitude era and what that provided, and I've said this before like people are like, "Oh, well, the women drew the largest ratings back then." The internet wasn't as prevalent back then. If if a teenage boy Wanted to see a hot woman on TV. You know, there's a chance they could tune into Monday Night Raw. Now they go, and there you go.
1: It's also a completely different era, and yeah. WWE has been struggling in this era, finding their voice. They tried the the kid thing, and it's, uh, in my opinion, it's kind of given pro wrestling a bad name. Um, go ahead. And
3: Tara. now
1: they're now they're. They're still, they're trying different things and they're trying to figure out where they fit. And so doing something like this, I don't have an issue with it, especially because it it worked brilliantly. There was just, like Jeff said, a few holes in the logic for some of them. I would
0: rather
2: have a show like this than bad attempts at storytelling, at real storytelling, what they're doing with backstage
0: segments and things like that. Chris Harrington posted that year by year longest match thing in like 2012 before raw was three hours. Like I remember when raw went three hours in the middle of that year. And I was like, wow, we're going to get some time for matches now because every single match was like four and a half minutes and an abrupt ending. And nobody got over. Mm -hmm. Nobody could get over doing that. And you had this just wealth of mid card guys who looked like they could keep hold their own in a, a top title scene, but Would we ever find out? Like in rare instances, sure. But it just wasn't happening. And as much as I don't like three-hour Raws, I like good, substantial matches. And this one last night didn't have any stakes. But Seth Rollins, I thought, put stakes into it. He put emotion into it. He put uh, emotional investment for me into it because I I start clock watching it like 40 minutes and 50 minutes. And I'm like, wow, is he going to break a record here? How's this going to work? And uh, kudos to him and kudos to WWE for booking that the way they did, for making me care about a match that I shouldn't have cared about at all. And they took up two hours of a go-home show doing that.
2: Can I ask you something? Yeah. Did you care after Rollins was eliminated?
0: I, there was a hangover there. Okay. like when, when the Finn Balor-Elias thing were going on, and I thought Finn Balor and Elias did great, but there was a hangover there. There, there certainly was, but I, I think that Rollins had to be first for it to seem at the way that it did to beat a fresh Reigns and a fresh Cena, and then Elias gets a little bit of a rub, like a heelish rub, beating the tired guy. But uh, yeah, I did, I did lose. I mean, we all knew the score then. We knew that Braun was going to win. I mean, we kind of knew Braun was going to win that anyway. But but yeah, but after that first hour, I didn't really care again until the very end when Braun's tearing stuff up.
2: But okay,
0: yeah. People are liking HD Jeff Hawkins. Oh, am I looking good? You are looking, well.
2: Okay. Well, Well, no, as good as I can look. Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, Initially, when you came on, you were a little bit blurry, but now now it's looking great. Thank you. We got SmackDown Live to talk about tonight. We get our typical SmackDown opening. (laughs) You take the 12 to 15 (laughs) minutes to set up your, your match. You go right into it uh aj styles reminds us the rules of a fatal five-way match in case you forgot did you forget oh anna
1: i did i did i don't know about the wrestling i know about the sports i just That's don't true. know about you the are wrestling, the sport
0: lord so. officially Yeah, sport lord anna bowert you got to change up your twitter handle or maybe just create an alternate one that can be your burner account Baron Corbin comes out. He cuts a promo where I think he was impersonating T-1000 from Terminator, or at least that's the same kind of emotion that he conveyed in his promo. Yeah. Kevin Owens comes out, and he's much better, but this is just your standard SmackDown open, Jeff.
2: I'm, still... <laughs> I'm sorry. There was a part of this that just it, it made me livid, and I'm doing my best to control myself right now. <laughs> The Lance the Boyle joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: I I almost turned off the TV and said, I'm not doing the show tonight. Who's, who's writing this? That is how bad. And it, it died. It I've I've had jokes die like that before, but I have other jokes in my repertoire that I can do. AJ Styles did not. So he's up there, huh? Huh? <laughs> kind of doing that like a bad stand-up who's never been on stage before oh i felt so bad for him having to do that and it was such a it was such a contrived line too and that was the problem
0: it was so lame it was really bad shane uh uh kevin owen says that he could have won where zane failed last week with full prep time against dolph ziggler shane mcmahon comes out and makes that match and then makes styles and corbin uh, Corbin later cuts an abysmal phone promo with a bunch of words flashing around. I don't know if you all have watched ball in the family, but I hear this is maybe where WWE got it. I haven't heard this from anybody in WWE. It's just a Twitter user hit me up and said, oh, it's that Lavar ball show. And I was like, well, I wouldn't know.
1: I thought it was word of the day with Big Bird. Yeah. My bad.
0: You um, know what? I could stand to see Oscar the Grouch on this show at this point.
1: I wish. Speaking of Shane.
2: Speaking of which.
3: What, what Alex do you got
1: Palowski, him?
2: you think you're the only ball guy who wears hats on Fightful? <laughs> you're not. I wear hats too, and I'll see you at Fightful Mania coming up in April.
0: Oh. Be- well, see. It's funny that you mentioned that because Alex was terrified <laughs> he wasn't going to get on the card. He thought he was going to have to win the Fightful Chamber just to get on the card like John Cena. (sighs) Call out the dead man. (laughs) Oh, man. Our first match set for Fightful Mania. (laughs) Whew, boy. Backstage. uh, Actually, we'll go into the Kevin Owens. Dolph Ziggler match. They, they they played the hits for the first 10 minutes or so. Owen switches it up. hits a fireman's carry gut buster and a Vader bomb elbow that I thought looked really, really cool. I love that. Uh, KO counters a top rope face buster, but then Ziggler gets the knees up on a swanton attempt before getting a fame master for two. They had the crowd go in here. Ziggler gets a near fall on a zigzag after countering a pop-up power bomb. Then Ziggler is turned into a goddamn nerd as Sammy Zayn's music hits. And what I thought was a really great match ends like this. Dolph Ziggler, the guy who was savvy enough to parlay his United States title into a, a essentially a main event slot on a pay-per-view, if you could say that that's savvy, wasn't smart enough to not look at the ramp away from his opponent when somebody's music hit. Jeff, what do we got going on here?
2: It's uh, it's what we call stupid baby face syndrome, where if you're not full on heel anymore, you forget all the heel tricks that you used to use when you were a heel. <laughs> oh, music? What? Where's that coming from? Clunk. You know, I, I just, I, I, I it's, Becky Lynch used to suffer
0: from this. Um, oh my God. For years, I wondered why, like in old wars, they had people playing music. It's obvious now. <laughs> who's that coming out on the battlefield?
2: Oh my God. It's the Confederate cavalry. Uh, you know, whatever. I, I, you no, know, I, I, you're right. Your wording was exactly right here. It was a great match that is now soured by that finish.
1: Lame. Anna, what'd you think of the match
0: though? Uh, Owens gets to win after a pretty nice super kick to the head.
1: Oh, that was nasty. It was beautiful. Um, <sighs> I'll go back to when Shane came out at the end of the opening half hour promo that we get every single week. Um, He's coming across to me as like those eighties teen movies where it's like the wannabe badass coach stepping into a schoolyard brawl and then like using them as his minions because he's bored. Just maybe I'm making up this eighties movie. I just really hate El Tanto. But um, this is my problem with, pretty much every single match on this show, this one and the final one in particular. And it kind of goes back to what you're saying before in a a different way about, you know, the Rollins thing last night was crafted for you to care about him and his delivery really made you care about him. And this is the issue right now on SmackDown is majority of matches are set up by Shane because he can and there are no stakes, and it's up to the guys to give it some kind of meaning. Corbin, at the end of the show, had AJ, I think, by the throat, like, hanging him over the edge of the ring or the apron, and and he's like, "You, you cannot beat me, or something like that. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, that's his reason to want to have this match, and to want to kill AJ. That's him trying to insert some kind of logic and drive into this. But It's just the same thing over and over again. Why do I care? Why should, I mean, I know you guys are annoyed with the distraction finish and, you know, back to my most ridiculous days, nerds against distractions, nads, but I didn't really care. Like I was more on Sammy's side because, cool, we got Sammy coming out and the band's back together apparently for at least one show. It just... It it amuses me as well because with the change up in pay-per-views now that they're going back to co-branded, I heard that the reasoning was because there is too long a gap in between pay-per-views for each brand to actually build to anything or or something along those lines. But then you look at something like an average Walking Dead, for example, you have the mid-season final and you have the final and it's about 11, 12 episodes apart either side. It's not like there is nothing happens in those 11 episodes to get to this one thing that then all of a sudden big explosions everywhere. It just, it bemuses me that they have this time and you'd think, okay, well, we've got an extra month or so in between pay-per-views, then let's craft you know let's put people together that might not actually go together that aren't going together for the pay-per-view see what else we can come up with see what other angles we can come up with or what other characteristics can show with these different kind of matchups. and then you know we're set for the next few shows because we've we've planted the seeds and move on as opposed to what we're getting now which has no meaning and it's just one man's game he's like the puppet from
0: Let's go ahead and talk about this co-branded pay-per-view thing. Jeff, your your reaction to what Anna said and the idea of co-branded pay-per-views. Anna Anna's
2: forward. exactly right on, on this in that what what they the mistake that they're making in in these builds is is they think that these matches of no consequence that the wins and losses in those matter versus developing personality conflicts between the characters. That would be a driving reason why they hate each other and then building to this big finale here. That That's the issue there.
0: Um, oh, the severe 50-50 booking on SmackDown, I think, is a direct consequence of Road Dogg, who has been on record saying he doesn't think wins and losses matter. And if you're super over, like Chael Sonnen was at one point in MMA, mm-hmm. his wins and losses didn't matter that much. Conor McGregor, super over. He was able to lose, come back. But, you know, if... Joe Lozon wins and loses and wins and loses and wins and loses. Y'all don't know who that is. And, you know, he he might put on a good match or a good fight, but unless he reels off 10 in a row, his matches aren't going to be of much consequence. And that's what we run into here when you've got Ruby Riot win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. Okay, oh, well, now she's competing for the championship? All right, okay. I mean, the only motivation anybody seems to have is I'm going to beat you. And, and I like the
2: money thing. I like all those things that could be folded in here. But you know what? We're not going to change that part of it. As for the co-branded pay-per-views, um, it's a, it's a, I, I get why it's good for marketing because you'll you'll automatically sell out most of these pay-per-views instantly without ever having to announce a match because everybody's going to get all the stars, but it doesn't address the fundamental problem on both shows in that, unless you are in main events, the, the, the B and C storylines on these shows aren't, and characters aren't being fleshed out. They're not being developed. They're just being thrown together and saying, okay, you guys are in a feud now. And all that's going to do is exacerbate it because you're just going to continue getting the same guys in different combinations on every show, in my opinion, and you'll have, and it's also going to play upon a lot of their weaknesses in, they do a lot. I mean, their crutch right now is multi-person, multi-team matches. That's their crutch right now. So you're going to get a lot more of those, I, I think, on these pay-per-views because it's going to be a push to get all the stars on there at once. So I'm, I'm skeptical of this. I think it's going to eventually lead to a disillusion of the brand split in some ways and when that happens people lose their jobs and I don't want to see that
0: yeah you're, you're going to have a lot of people like I mean I what's Ty Dillinger
2: last... going to be doing for like three months when what's nobody... Ty Dillinger
0: doing what has Carmella been doing for, for weeks and Natalia like what she's been in nothing they've, they just had her off TV because they're running the same shit they've had now nine six person tag matches involving the women since Riot Squad and Absolution debut same old stuff and i don't know what they're gonna do will it make uh, the pay-per-view quality better i'm sure that i'll enjoy them better as far as match quality uh, goes but we'll see i don't know if they're gonna add time to it i've asked wdb about that they're, they they play it close to the vest so they can announce it themselves like a day after media asks them so but we'll see about that but i mean the hey having four extra sundays off a year i'm not going to complain about that per se but I, I wonder sometimes and you know all, ultimately it is affecting their bottom dollar, but there's a lot of people right now that they don't do anything with. And right now this Smackdown roster is real stale. I thought that this show reinforced that. I thought that the performance of people like Sarah Logan like really just made I'm like, why what is the decision making going into these call-ups? Like it, it's very clear that some of these people weren't ready or just aren't fits like it's it's and you got just a wealth of talent in NXT almost at all times like it never takes them more than a few months to just restock the cupboard there and then it's like man well somebody's like I said they're gonna have to either get really really creative or they are going to risk creating a whole generation of independent stars with worldwide exposure that have been creatively stifled and uh like that are going to go out and maybe make a lot of money elsewhere. And maybe they don't care about that. Maybe they do. I mean, look at what Cody Rhodes is doing right now. And people can say that they like Cody Rhodes stuff or not. The man is out there making a lot of money right now and doing some really creative, interesting stuff because he wasn't able to, in WWE, because if they would have capitalized on what he had and what he was, then maybe, maybe things would have went a little bit differently for him. But, and all of yeah. this plays into the amount of screen time somebody gets. Go ahead, Anna.
1: I, I put that as as part of my review from New Japan. His match, it was a three-way between Will Ospreay, him, and Robbie Eagles was the match of the night. And mm-hmm. Cody Rhodes leaving WWE was the best thing to happen to him, to so happen to independent wrestling and to happen for the fans. Because he is, with the prestige and the name that he has, and just the fact that he left the company what, just over a year ago, and how far he's come in that amount of time, in ring wise and personality wise, he has just changed the game. And my interest lies firmly in New Japan, Ring of Honor, progress, as opposed to WWE, because that's where it's interesting. And that's, and now that was always. It was been like that for a while, but now if you have someone like Cody to head it all up, well, people know him; they know he's Dusty's son. Oh, let's see what Stardust is doing, and that's where the audience is going to go. Hopefully, unless WWE get their shit together.
2: Well, until it cuts it, until yeah. it cuts into the bottom line, it's not going to matter. That to, 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 yeah. w, to WWE. That's that's the issue. And and look, I agree. Look, I I mean that's one of the reasons. Again, I I watch a lot of '80s wrestling because the promos they all relied on their own creativity to get themselves over for the
0: most. Oh, part. I th- I you know, if, if WWE didn't see the money that UFC was making hand over fist with Ronda Rousey, do we get a women's revolution? They yeah. saw that that would impact their bottom line. If they could, they could make money off of competitive situations with women. I think that's the true motivation behind a lot of that stuff. We'll talk more about this as it happens. Of course, we have an elimination chamber post-show podcast this Sunday evening. Good times. Good mm. times. I guess I guess we still have some SmackDown to talk about, though. Yes. Allegedly. <laughs> Jinder. Jinder Mahal comes out, says that he has Bobby Roode's <gasps> top ten list. Oh, boy. He voted for himself at number one, which you are not supposed to do, and he left Randy Orton off. Bobby Roode comes out and gets thoroughly trolled by Jinder Mahal. Like, in in storyline, Bobby Roode was hashtag gotten to by gender. Roode goes off on gender. Randy Orton comes out, and they attack Mahal, but Randy Orton is snick and tries to RKO Roode. Instead, he eats an Impaler DDT, a Glorious DDT, rather. Gender hits the Coloss on Roode. Backstage, Shane McMahon and Daniel Bryan argue about the United States title picture. Daniel Bryan wants to make... uh, gender versus rude but shane mcmahon wants to make orton versus rude shane mcmahon wins out after daniel bryan says why did you even hire me anna your, your thoughts on this segment
3: well <laughs> the
1: good news is the main goal storyline that they were doing with the female roster um They've now also catered towards a men's roster. Oh, he found
0: found Bobby Roode's burn book.
1: Yeah, yeah. And like Prong queen territory, how dare he vote himself number one and how dare he leave off Randy Orton. Like, (laughs) Uh, so that happened. Um, And then I decided not to pay attention. I looked up and Jinder and Junder were standing in the ring and everyone else was down. And then we got the thing. with El Tanto and Daniel Bryan and then I don't, don't want to give away any spoilers because Cabin in the Woods is one of the greatest movies ever but for people who've seen it, there's essentially Bradley Whitford, that's them um, mm. and that's, that's what this is now. This is now a show where top ten lists, um, that's, that's what matters. They're fighting over popularity amongst themselves. That was completely constructed by the company.
0: By the way, I just saw a gif of Buddy Murphy on 205 Live, and that man is in psychotic shape, (laughs) like unbelievable shape. Jeff, uh, I don't know if you even want to break down this segment, but you can have at it if you you so choose.
2: Look, we all know that there's only one number one in the nation – that's the University of Virginia Cavaliers, baby. Did
0: um, you did you make that shirt? No, no, no. I bought it. Oh, boy.
2: Um, you That's all make so a shirt 80. for when you're
0: number one in the country, huh?
2: Well, it's been Hold since 19... 19- let me put it this way. In basketball, it's been since 82. In football, it's been since 1990. I get that you have your community college that you call University of Kentucky that lets anybody in for one year that can play great basketball. Hell, yeah. You're- Nerd school here. Nerd school has to take what he can get.
0: Well, Um, uh, you know, I might get a shirt that says 2013 vacated championship, (laughs) Louisville Cardinals. Am I right? Sport Lord, what do you think of this situation? Uh,
1: Yeah. Personally, I quite like fencing, so I like Jeff's shirt. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'll take that. Um,
2: Here's my one problem with this segment and this program, and I, I mentioned it last week and I shall reiterate. Um. If you're trying to get Bobby Roode over as a babyface, you need to keep him as far away from guys like Randy Orton as possible, because even if he blocks the RKO, that's seen as a heel move. And so it's going to diminish the cheers for him or the booze for gender when he gets colossed right afterwards. Um, yeah. You'll note that they didn't put up a new top 10 list yet again. Um so I'm assuming that this is dying as we're watching it, despite talking about it.
0: Yeah.
1: I think we saw that it died a very painful, slow death in front of us tonight.
0: In one positive note from Gender, I spoke to a couple people backstage at SmackDown today, and they actually put Gender over, who had worked through a shoulder and labrum injury while he was champion, because he recognized the gravity of his situation. And uh, didn't want to waste it. And he's still been on like house shows and everything while he's healed up from that.
1: But this is the thing. Aside from my initial concern way, way back about safety in the ring, which, you know, that's not an issue anymore with Jinder. None of this has been the guy's fault. mm -hmm. It's been the creator's fault. The dude himself, he's doing the best he can with this shit. But unfortunately, it is.
0: It's promo delivery.
1: But then write something for the guy that he can do, as opposed to this getting to be literally flaming pile of shit.
0: I don't know what TV he can do. Though. I, I will,
2: I will push back a bit against your, critis- against your criticism there, Sean, because while he delivers it poorly, it's it's still WWE cadence. Yeah. I need to talk about what, what you know that that Those that's races, the cadence Jeff. of WWE, of WWE promos yeah. for
0: the most part. I would agree. Riot Squad defeated Becky Lynch, Charlotte, and Naomi. Thought Naomi looked really really great in this match. Becky Lynch was over. Charlotte was over. Naomi dodged all of Sarah Logan's attacks. Uh, Becky Lynch does a nice little rotating leg drop that I think looks good. But uh, Sarah Logan, I. Man, was she bad. I didn't like her. Uh, I don't know why. She is working the lion's share of these matches, and she ain't ready for it. She's not ready for this. She needed NXT. She really, really needed it, especially when there were a lot of people that could have worked. I mean, she just needed it. That's all. Charlotte comes in. Great reaction. Gets chop-blocked. A great Becky Lynch run ends with Liv Morgan breaking up the disarmor. And then Charlotte heaves, heaves Liv Morgan over her head, which I thought was uh, hilarious and scary. Riot gets the win after her finish. Later on in the night, Riot challenges Naomi next week. And then Charlotte for the title at Fastlane. Anna, we got some lazy booking here. But uh, what would you think of it?
1: Mm, I mean, yeah called out last week and it was look it's
0: there's no way they haven't seen the criticism to six woman dag matches on social media there's no way
1: they don't care yeah. <laughs> because they're not invested in this division at all Um, in terms of what bugged me about this match um, and you know they look like they were having a blast which is great but They have tried to set it up as if it's getting to the point of boiling over almost blood feud territory. But, you know, these Charlotte, Naomi and Becky have real issues against these women, especially Charlotte um, and Becky and Naomi, who these women supposedly hurt and took out for a while. And then Naomi comes down for an entrance with a Nicki Minaj wig and jumping, dancing around, having a great time. Becky's pulling a na-na-na-na-na thing which I never want to see again in a wrestling ring and it's like okay well there are, but again it's no stakes and even with this there actually was stakes um set up from the beginning but it's not being delivered and so once again it's like cool a fun six-woman match they've never been fun they've it's the same thing every week um in terms of Sarah Logan, did either of you see her as Crazy Mary Dobson on the Indies?
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: What what was her like? Was it just the deathmatch stuff, or did she actually have?
0: Well, she did. She stopped doing cool. the deathmatch stuff when WWE said, "Hey, stop doing the deathmatch stuff." No, I
1: know. But when she was Mary Dobson, was it just that she did the deathmatch stuff, which is why she got the name, or was it an actual gimmick?
0: I mean, the gimmick was the name and the gimmick all kind of ties into that. But yeah.
1: But aside from the death match stuff, when she came to the ring, she came out as this crazy. I you
0: know hungry. I didn't see a ton of her work. I wasn't like a big. Okay. I only so saw a couple pages,
2: but yeah, that's pretty much what I saw too. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's what I'm questioning. I know that they don't want her to do the death stuff, obviously. But it's not like she has no personality or she was plucked off the street or, you know, from a swimsuit catalog. She has experience and she's – she had a thing. And now – wanted
0: her because of her character, because of her, like, 62nd Mae Young Classic promo. He looked at her and said, that's somebody I want. He said it publicly.
1: And what is she now? He, Why not let her do that without the death match? It's, it's possible. You can still get across Jimmy Havoc or um, uh, Drew Parker without seeing them in a death match. We know what, we're, what they're about and the way that they hold themselves, the way they speak, the way that they fight, even without you know, staplers and, and, and pins and barbed wire and all that kind of crap. That's my
0: thing. Why didn't you just use somebody else if you were going to have her be so nondescript? and generic and basic like that someone who has that like you know how wwe loved to give people occupations and all that stuff and like little ready-made gimmick she has the hunter gimmick there you brought up Liv morgan somebody's already working that gimmick on the same brand really all you got ruby riot's been is probably the best of the three and she's yeah she's all right she's whatever obviously the one that they think the most of but uh, jeff anything go ahead sorry
1: So you'd think once they realized that they created two identical factions on either brand that they go, Oh shit, we need to change stuff up. Okay. What can these women do? And they haven't, I guess it goes back to the same thing of they don't care.
0: And a lot of times when they find one thing that works, they run it into the ground so much like fashion files, they ran it into the ground to the point to where now Brizongo aren't on TV anymore. Like, okay. All right, Jeff, anything to add to this?
2: I thought Bailey and Sasha looked real good in this match. Um, <laughs> oh, no, uh, that was last night's six-woman tag. Um, I, I'm a little easier on, on uh, <laughs> I almost call her Crazy Mary Dodson, uh, Sarah Logan, th- than you are here. But it's obvious there are some chemistry issues here. Um, but I didn't think anybody looked particularly well in this match. That's part of my issue and and the other part Anna kind of stole a little bit of my thunder but i'm gonna try and bring it back here they've been screwing around with this division for so long and now they decide to try a storyline to build the charlotte it seems ridiculous to me they knocked out naomi and becky lynch already brought them back had everybody in this six person thing lose at one time and now they're going to beat Becky and beat Naomi to build to Ruby Riot versus Charlotte after they've already beaten Ruby Riot a couple times it's it's just it's <laughs> it's it's angering as someone who used to have to outline stories and stuff like that before writing it yeah. as opposed to making it up on the fly, which is what this seems like it is. I, I, you know, I like all these women. I just, the match to me was very disjointed at times. You know, the, the, the spot that I recall cringing at the most was just the double, uh, what was, was Logan taking, taking the, uh, double arm drag there, double flip or whatever. Double hip toss. Double hip toss. That hip toss was the word. I was the th- Thank you. No, that was bad. I mean, they it was.
0: more came through and did it much better like a minute or two later.
2: Yeah. And it, it's, it's bait. It's still basic match stuff. It's, it's not really, and it's not flowing. And, and, and between those two things, um, you know, I could watch Lana do this poorly if i wanted to but i yeah i didn't enjoy this match at all and i look i'm happy that they're finally going to build up ruby right to charlotte i just wish they had tried starting to do this about a month ago and made it and and actually plotted it out so we'd get to this point as opposed to already having wasted becky's return and naomi's return
0: for it i'm with you I'm with you. There's so much potential in a Sarah Logan from a character standpoint. And when they have those just softballs thrown at them, WWE, like, hey, here you go. Here's somebody who's got this ready-made character, uh, i.e. Bray Wyatt, like, they they swing and they miss. Top contender match, New Day versus uh, Training Day, New Day win. This is kind of short. Have some good chemistry, especially Gable and Big E. I I just want to see these guys wrestle a good 15-minute one-on-one match, especially when Gable hit that awesome belly-to-belly on Big E. Wow, that was incredible. Big E returns the favor with a urinagi that may have made Gable piss in his pants because that was (laughs) real hard, real hard. Kofi distracts while training day hit their finish. This allows Xavier to break it up and get the pin with a shining wizard. Gable and Benjamin keep getting screwed. Like, they have a legitimate qualm. Where does this go, and what do you think of the match, Jeff?
2: I liked the match. I thought it was way too short, and I thought... <laughs> it's so weird, because I went, well, what did Gable and Benjamin do to deserve that? And especially from the New Day, who are a babyface team and then used heel tactics to win. That That's, an, again... Look, I don't mind it occasionally. I just... You know, the, the, the character continuity is just very, very weird at times. I... And yet it also didn't matter because all it did was lead to the bleed in of the bludgeon brothers coming in who are feuding with the Usos. It it was so, it was such a weird segment from top to bottom, but the match itself. Yes. Give me all these tag teams. I love this tag team division in SmackDown. I would love to add the revival to it and then it might be almost perfect to me, but I, I love the match. I love you know, I like big guys throwing each other around. I like small guys throwing big guys. I like big guys throwing small guys. So this thing went right into my wheelhouse. I loved it.
0: Yeah, the Bludgeon Brothers won a squash match after this. You guys know the drill. They ran their opponents into each other a lot, hit their hit the uh, the full Nelson into a sit-down powerbomb and then the crucifix. Anna, any thoughts of where this tag division is going and how do you feel about these these two performances?
1: Um I absolutely love watching Chad Gable in the ring and I wish for so much more for this guy. Um Ooh, I, got see, I got to see I got to
0: see him and Simon Gotch do like a chain wrestling series in Columbus. Ooh. Oh my god, it was just unbelievable. Those two guys.
1: Yeah, but I he he landed a moonsault on his feet. And now it looks like we're getting Gable and Benjamin versus the rest at WrestleMania 34. Um, and the new day at the moment, I've said it like a few weeks running now. I just they need to change up their shtick. tonight. They actually came across as relatives of Cheeseburger, um, but like the jock cousins of the dude, and that's not really where they should be. Um, in terms of Blood and Brothers, I really do like that getting the other team's reactions as they do their entrance. I don't know how well it comes across for the other teams, but it puts them over huge. Their outfits still make them look like the weird kids at school that ate worms. Um, and yeah, good.
0: Good on Kane, letting them borrow his 2003 outfits and like repaint. He's a good
1: dad. He's a good dad. He is. Um, and at least now they're changing it up by killing the jobbers by ringside instead of just in the ring. Um, but my question is, is this amnesia? Do they not remember that they used to dislike each other when they were in the Wyatt family? Or is now that their crazy leader is gone, they're just free to be their true selves? I mean, these are the questions that keep me up at night, and I would like to know the answer.
0: I, I always said all they needed was to have these two booked on an episode, a random episode of SmackDown in like an ODQ match. And they beat the shit out of each other, and they like maniacally hug afterwards. I buy that. Okay, they beat each other up so bad that they love each other again. Okay, I get it. They're crazy. It's what crazy people do, I guess. But <laughs> there was none of that. They were <laughs> fighting. They were pulled from TV for months and they're back dressed as foot soldiers. Does
1: Look, that they mean found the dad cane and then they, they reunited. And well, that's No, they're, they're
0: under the control of Kevin Nash. He's super shredder. There you go. That's the rule. Oh. AJ Styles defeated Baron Corbin. AJ Styles can make anybody look good, but still this brand needs some freshening up. AJ back rolls over the table, then slides back up and hits a phenomenal forearm. That was just so cool. So cool. Corbin got one of his best deep sixes yes. of all time. Like, I don't care what I've seen on a snowboard in the Olympics. Like, I'm pretty sure he hit a 1080 here. Jeff, that was incredible.
2: That's possibly the best moment of Baron Corbin's career right there, in my opinion. <laughs> he sent
0: said, he said really good ones on Sami Zayn, too, though. Yes. Like, Zayn and Styles, I think, take those the best. Phenomenal forearm gets the win. I really think that the lasting impression, though, is how stale the top of this card is. KO and Zayn attack Styles after the match, and Corbin gets both with the end of days. I will say Corbin in the ring has looked very good the last two weeks. He has had a couple of pretty good partners in the ring to help him do that. But the end of days that he hit at the end of the, in the show were very, very good as well. Anna, here we are. It's the end of Smackdown live for the night.
1: I, I really enjoyed the in-ring in this. AJ Styles, it's like you can tell in the instant replays and the slow-mos of the Phenomenal Forearm, there's that's a very good reason his name is a Phenomenal One because that's just fact. Um, Corbin, I thought, did a great job and then, you know, like I said earlier, he tried to get over some kind of reasoning as to why he's so angry in the you can't beat me thing. But it was just another case of El Tainto pulling the strings. Uh, And these guys deserve a lot more. And all I could think of was, please, God, when it comes to WrestleMania, AJ versus Shinsuke is not WWE-ified. That's that's my only wish here.
0: You mean El El Mancha. That, That would be the Spanish translation of the taint.
1: Oh, you looked that up for this.
0: I mean, I sadly I know. Show
2: prep I, is his life. Yeah,
0: <laughs> except when I do alternate commentary anymore. That was too much. I
2: I'm, must be. I don't know what you thought of that moment, but the uh, the you can't beat me moment. I hated it. <laughs> but that's because I can. I can. I can hear the script notes. I can hear the production <laughs> crew going. This will be the big. This is. This is. This is uh, beyond the mat. We make movies, Vince, yeah. or whoever talks. About it. This will be the big dramatic moment where, where he has him by the throat. It'll be like Empire Strikes Back with Luke and, and Darth Vader, and, and Baron Corbin will. Be, you can't beat me, and then AJ Styles will valiantly push him away and give him the flying forearm. I just, oh, I just went okay. <laughs> just have. I mean, if it's earned like that, if it's if it's the I. Um, I'm sorry. I love you. Like HBK and flair. I'm all in because I'm already emotionally invested in the match. I didn't think that moment was earned.
1: Yeah. But then what's the alternative? No, I, I, there is no, yeah. Like I get where you're coming from, but for me, it was just like, well, thank you. Like there is reason for all of this but yeah i get what you mean
2: i just want him to yell like a mortal combat finish him you know i mean that's that's pretty much what he's trying to do here i just i i i understand I, i'm not knocking the effort i'm i'm yeah. i'm knocking the uh the forethought no
0: i want
1: Goro to come out
0: <laughs> no shinsuke nakamura no rusev day no miss money in the bank again on this show mm. it's, it's what you get it's what you get hey guys i just wanted to. Uh, let you all know i have a pinned tweet on my page our lead mma writer david mother mother's battling cancer there's a you caring uh fundraiser set up for her please go donate if you are able help him out great person uh great family and just an incredible work ethic on david so i encourage you if you're able to give please give jeff we've got elimination chamber this sunday what are you most looking forward to on that show
2: I'm looking forward to the women's elimination chamber. I, I really am. I look. I. I'm a. I'm a fanboy of the women's division. I'm a fan woman or I'm a fanboy of the uh, horse women. And when you get these historic kinds of matches, and they're allowed to actually, you know, complete them as as Anna and I railed against the finish of that first money in the bank match they pull out all stops and i think sasha sasha banks may die that's <laughs> i mean she yeah. she loves to go all out and i that's my fear she's going to go through a pot or something and break herself in half and god knows i don't want to see that but i am excited for them i'm excited for this opportunity for the women to get these kinds of matches and uh, i think it's going to be a good match
0: how about you anna
1: uh, yeah i agree um, the the chamber matches in general. I'm just fearful that with the women's one in particular, it's going to be overshadowed once again. Well, they're going to try and overshadow it with the contract signing. To be purposely honest, and I know that you know casual fans may differ. I don't give a shit about Ronda Rousey's contract signing. I don't. I, I want to I see. I do, and I
0: think that. that that may be what I'm most looking forward to because I want to see if they kind of tie in that talking point of her overshadowing the other women and see if they make a storyline out of it. I hope they do. It's ready made. It's right there. Ready to be knocked out of the park, but will they, I don't know.
2: What are the chances? Because Rob and I have had this argument on our show. I still think that there is a chance that she gets a negative reaction.
0: Oh, there's a very good chance.
2: Because well, okay, my other co-host disagrees. He thinks one hundred percent or ninety eight percent it's going to be a positive reaction for her because it's Vegas, it's the fight capital, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, I said, that's a good point. these aren't these aren't fight fans though; these are WWE fans. So, you know, I, I entertainment think I,
0: fans, goddammit.
2: I look, I think it's going to be overall positive, but I it's not fifty fifty, but I think it's sixty forty in terms of positive or negative that that's you know i think it's a wild card right now just because they haven't really positioned her yet
1: if they set it up right if they actually do address the whole overshadowing thing and intend to make her heal initially then okay um i'm for that that's a that's a storyline Uh, for the women and cool. I don't think that they, I don't know. Um, Roar has been stepping up its game recently. So maybe they do have it in them. Um, I just don't have the confidence that they will.
0: Hopefully this is a gift instead of a chore. And if you need a gift idea, head over to livingsharp.com. Maybe you need a TP dog bed. Maybe you need a chemist spice rack. Maybe you need a hot dog toaster. If you don't have a gift idea, head over to LivingSharp.com because there's something on there that if you give it to somebody, it will at the very least be a conversation piece. LivingSharp.com. They have bunk bed hammocks over there, guys.
1: I want one of those.
0: I do too. And I'm going to go to LivingSharp.com to get it. Jeff, what do you got going on this week? Well, this week on Shake Them Ropes,
2: we're gonna go over Raw, SmackDown, the Elimination Chamber, the Revived 205 Live, and NXT. Um, Apollo Cruz loses his last name. We're gonna go over co-branded pay-per-views. We're gonna go over everything WWE. So, uh, be there,
0: Anna. I know you're doing some writing for us this week. You got us some good footage. Oh. What else you have going on?
1: Oh, where do I begin? Um more work for EPW. We're getting ready for our first Aberdeen Hotel game of the year, which is March eleventh. Um, and then April eighteenth after that is our Progress versus EPW show, which um when we were handing out flyers after New Japan, I did offer some to Will Ospreay and Jay White, and they were very nice. Um and you know, in in accepting the flyers a bit confused as to why I'd ask them. And they had to kind of clarify, like, you know, I'm not going to be here, right? I like yeah, I know, just take it. <laughs> but they were very nice about it. Um, So you should all check that out.
0: Over on Fightful.com, we have a Fightful Books at mini podcast where I look at Drew McIntyre and possibly a main event or a main roster character for him. Uh, myself, Alex, Jeff did the uh, Fightful Alternate Commentary Podcast covering the Extreme Elimination Chamber. That's over there as well. Uh, Aaron Hyden, who you all know from The Spare Room, he does that feature, great feature on Fightful.com. He was at Raw last night and talked about the breakout. It's weird to say, but a breakout performance from Seth Rollins from about 10 feet away. He's got that. We have got a ton of exclusives, including a former UFC fighter this weekend who told me, or told James Lynch that her gimmick in wrestling would be the clam. Yeah. Got that Fightful Wrestling Weekly on Friday, about a 1,000 words worth of little exclusives here and there. Of course, the listen, your boy, tomorrow. Jimmy's teasing like these big surprises on Wednesday. I don't know what's going on. Had a bunch of guests on the Holy Smokes MMA podcast. I'm doing a show after that as well. I am doing post-Ring of Honor, post-New Japan shows as well. So uh, keep your eyes on that. I'll be doing one after the impact pay-per-view later this month or in two months, Uh, the ring of honor streaming service has launched. So we'll be doing more and more ring of honor content and streams, things like that. Head over to fightful.com. We had a story, Jeff on Brian cage's yummy and good looking penis per Melissa Santos. Your thoughts.
2: I have thoughts but I'll broadcast them after we go off the air.
0: Somebody on Reddit was like that? somebody on Reddit was like this is news and I was like you know what if you cannot have a little bit of fun when you're covering people fake fighting in their underpants what are you even doing plus so cool. there there was no confirmation that his penis was yummy and or good looking before Melissa Santos cleared the air. Let's just Let's just get that out there. Sean Ross Sapp on Twitter. Anna Boward on Twitter. Crap Game 13 on Twitter. Fightful Online on Twitter. Fightful.com online. Until next time, guys, visit our friends at livingsharp.com. Download the Wartime X mobile game. We are out.